0: We have to grasp that the biosphere is an absolute boundary that limits our behaviour. Then you say, okay, well, how do you get that biosphere imperative to made real in the practical functioning of humans? Put it into every constitution. Having got that in, then that's when change starts to happen. When action starts to happen.
1: Hello. And welcome to the second series of the Hidden Power podcast called Pre-Flight Checklist. It's a useful analogy which we are using to think about getting the best out of our little lives on Spaceship Earth, using something that profoundly impacts our lives but none of us ever really see: a constitution. In this series, we explore one by one each of the 26 principles that would govern a pleasant life through and at the far side of the current climate emergency. I'm Philip Tottenham, and my co-presenter is the author of these principles, Ed Straw. Principle number 24. Company
0: duty to inform. For each product or service, consumers shall be informed of the biosphere and human impact of its sourcing, manufacture, distribution, and post-use
1: treatment. Okay, so... It sort of rests on the assumption, which I think is a, a fair enough assumption that most people want to do the right thing if they can. And also, as we mentioned last week, this is really tapping into consumer power. This is about mobilizing yeah. consumer power. Yeah. And if people don't do the right thing, it's because they haven't got the right kind of information, the appropriate information in the appropriate place. One thing that's been on my mind since preparing for this episode is something that you mentioned in the Dominic Cummings episode, that it's the job of the system to shove the big picture right in people's faces. And so this appropriate moment is when you're buying the product, for example, when you're signing up to the service, that you will have the, the appropriate information right there as to what the biosphere impact is and the human impact just as we've seen with fair trade or indeed with ingredients. Labelling, you know, what is it? Well, it's
0: information and it's providing people with a better informed basis for making choices. Of course, people may still ignore the information that says, is this a good thing to buy given how it's made and where it's come from? but you're bringing everything out into the open and you're making explicit just what we collectively are doing. Here I've got an iPhone, a cup of coffee, a book, some medicines. Well, what is the impact of each of these items on the planet and on the people that have produced
1: them? We're getting into this thing that you mentioned last week, which I think is such a neat encapsulation of what we're up against or one element of what we're up against is that it's out of sight and therefore out of mind. And it's almost impossible to bring these things, the magnitude of all these things to mind in the moment of buying or using the product. Hmm.
0: What I don't want this to come across is some sort of guilt trip. I want this to come across as something that allows us to make informed choices in the world. Free
1: choices, yeah. That that increases freedom rather than deluding us. The whole nature of advertising, of course, is to focus one on the beautiful outcome that we'll get from buying a product and And distract us from the uh, deleterious effects. Exactly.
0: And there's the latest electric car, for example. And you don't only get an electric car with some environmental benefits, but you get a whole lifestyle enhancement that's wrapped around it, which Mm. comes from the neo-Freudian findings in advertising and marketing for the whole of the last century. If you buy this, you'll be a better person. If you buy this, you'll have a better life. If you buy this, you'll get more power. At the end of the day, it's a car. Mm. It goes from A to B. And if we're able
1: to cut into this notion, where's it come from? How is it made? So this is an interesting point because I read a sentence, and I wish I could remember where I came across it, that many of the technologies that we are relying on to make life more sustainable, in fact, rely on relatively new materials that are not easy to come by and often involve disasters in terms of mining and so on. And again, coming back to the context and how this is all about out of sight, out of mind, I was thinking, well, what are the headline problems that we have? There's such vastness and accelerating vastness in extraction, pollution, and so on. How do we frame it? And in a sense, again, we're into this monetary system, grinding out profit through everything from these vast networks of undersea cables, uh, undersea miners, a lot going on undersea at the moment which right. is fairly discouraging, which is very right. much out of sight. We've got these massive data centers. I think you had quite a nice little nugget of information about how much each search costs environmentally. Because yeah. you sort of think, oh, it's just a click. What's well, you know? How does it possibly cost anything? But actually, of course, there are all these servers waiting.
0: 20 searches are approximately equivalent to turning on a modern 6-watt light bulb for an hour. One of the problems is that you type the website into whether it's Google or a Cozier or mm. anything else search engine and then it comes back with a whole series of answers so you've added an extra click
1: yeah, yeah, and yeah.
0: there's no need for these search engines to do that
1: I think that we're looking at how this is a multiplied out across the four yeah. billion or so people using the internet and yet that probably pales in comparison to for example just the sheer vastness of oil extraction, which I heard about on, I think it was The Economist uh, Mm. environment podcast this morning. Well, this guy was talking about how he was flying over Saudi Arabia, looking at one particular oil field, which was the size of France and which just exists, you know, barely below the sand. You stick a straw Mm. into it and out comes the oil. Mm. And if you look at the size of Saudi Arabia in comparison to the size of Europe, they're roughly, or at least Western Europe, they're roughly equivalent. Mm. And so there are many France-sized oil fields dotted yeah. around there. And that's just Saudi Arabia. Another great example, which I will put a link in the show notes, this is the Earth Time website, where he has these great maps with data plotted on the maps, and you can follow a data story. And one in particular is the story of undersea mining, which again, is, is vast. There's a, an area in the Pacific, which is roughly the size of the west of France to the east of Ukraine, roughly the width of France, divided up into plots for undersea mining right in the middle of a series of protected environmental areas, all roughly southeast of Hawaii. Hmm. And you can see the exploration and mining of that. And then he has another map which shows the vastness of how these resources are spread across every ocean and goes into the destructive effects, because if anyone has been watching David Attenborough, for example, you may have seen the life that exists around these volcanic plumes. Mm, um, absolutely. Which, so mm. they thought that all life required the sun until they found massive ecosystems along mm. the volcanic ridges under most of the oceans in various yeah. places. Yeah. And unfortunately for the ecosystems, volcanic ridges also have rare earth metals, which they're now working out how to mine and the plumes that are thrown up, the pollution that's thrown up, is on a massive scale. You know, one on his map that is mined, and it's about the size of Switzerland. You yeah, know, it's a huge area.
0: No, absolutely. And you know, there can be no more out of sight and out of mind. Seven miles of the Atlantic. This principle is—I mean, it's very simple in a way. It's just about bringing to everyone's attention, and and then, of course, that attention goes throughout the supply chain because no longer can a company ignore what it's doing and Mm. and on the one hand I think we've both been keen to say well look you know companies behave like this and the people who are managing those companies behave like this because of the global monetary system and that's what they're required to do but also there's some pretty awful practice avoidance of regulation governmental, intergovernmental, regional level doing anything they can get away with. Well, Mm. come on, this really is not acceptable. And so under this universal duty to inform, it opens up the way in which that has come to pass. And of course, then you're looking at a company and, you know, there's an argument going on about whether you're going to do something gross deep in Africa or indeed deep in the Atlantic. And the balance of argument is swinging Precisely Mm. because the information is there, it's out in the open.
1: All the vastness of extraction in general, I mean, before we get into things like palm oil, ultimately rests on the consumer. Even though there are these sort of massive direct industrial Mm. clients who would seem to remove the onus of responsibility from the consumer, Mm. if this principle was applied, then it would give choice to the consumer and hopefully a tipping point of consumers... Would be able to affect the change.
0: Yeah. And we've said before the world can't run on lies, which really it can't do. The world can't run on company lies either. And and this is, you
1: know. Well, and this is what we're up against. I was just, I had a sort of a a slight aside, but one of the things people aspire to is to go and work for a decent company and et cetera, et cetera. But there is a sort of a mafioso element to this. And I do sort of wonder, given the sheer power of preferential lobbying, Hmm. how much governments will be able to do. But then if consumers are adequately informed, there's probably more that consumers can do than governments. Yeah. and, And don't forget, you know, we've got 26 principles altogether.
0: So and those 26 principles, when applied, will do away, in effect, with preferential lobbying. It uh, doesn't mean that companies won't be able to express their point of view, but it'll be a point of view in balance with everyone else's point of view. But as you say, the consumers, we do have so much power. Well, um, it's
1: funny because one, I was trying to break down how does that power actually work? Because it sounds very nice, consumers have power. Yeah. But one thing you mentioned in, in the relevant section in the book, labelling allows for cybernetic effects. You know, we've talked about cybernetics and how it's like the adjusting of a course or the feedback within a central heating system. Another thing we've talked about is the accretion of power at the center. And I think accretion is such a great word because it's it's very much a sort of natural fundamental process that is something like the sort of landing of dust on the ocean floor and that turning into rock and, and great pressure. And if we look at human systems, you have people bringing their attention to the center and giving power to the center by giving them attention. Mm. And again, we get back to that great Einstein quote, "Compound interest is the most powerful force in the universe. But what he's really saying is the feedback loop is the most powerful force in the universe. And this cybernetic element of consumer power through labeling is exactly the kind of force that would allow power to accrete with yeah. the consumer on this sort of piecemeal, on this granular level, this could have these massive feedback effects that yeah. could make a big difference. And people might say,
0: well, you know, how much difference is it going to make? And if we look at fair trade bananas or coffee, well, how much of that is sold? There are two points here. One is that actually it has made a difference, but it's more that it puts it on the table. But actually, there are ethical human ways of producing coffee, and there' are essentially inhuman ways of mm. producing coffee and The pressure starts to mount within the body politic if you like, and people discussing issues which in the past we're not terribly bothered about organic and fair trade and all of that and there it is it's it's actually it's rather like the change that's come about with veganism actually Mm. in the last I mean what three four years yes gone from it's only weirdos that do that and they're all rather prissy and sort of on their high horse and so on who well actually this is an option now hmm. this is, and, and you don't have to frame it in terms of veganism you can frame it in terms of plant-based food yeah so- it's
1: interesting i think the tipping point there which maybe there's a, a version of this that we can think about it, is the health question that on the one hand it's obviously good for the planet well maybe it's not obviously good for the planet maybe some people don't see that clearly at all but The fact that you have such a strong sort of movement towards health that athletes are now employing a vegan diet has led to its popularity. And again, Mm. this slightly reminds me of this sort of self-harm aspect of environmental damage. That once you can see clearly that the biosphere is you, these are your lungs, this is your your system, then you can be unconscious of these things and act one way. But Mm. once you have consciousness, once you can really see it clearly, Mm. then you are no longer able to act in the way that you're harming yourself obviously there's a therapeutic process for societies to go through to, to reach that but i through this principle through simple information that is possible yeah absolutely we
0: shouldn't underestimate that these shifts take time i mean just think about diet and food and all the rest of it there's nothing more personal and therefore you know if you are changing your diet It's not something that, you know, necessarily you go, right, you know, overnight, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. It may well take however many years it takes, but you're moving in the right direction and moving very substantially. So there you are, you're about to buy an air ticket and the air ticket tells you how much greenhouse gas you're going to be pumping into the atmosphere as a result of this particular trip. And, you know, no amount of wriggle room in terms of, oh, well, I've offset this or I've offset that. You, on this trip, are going to be pushing out this amount of greenhouse gas. Mm. You look at that and weigh up, on the one hand, um, a trip to wherever it is, in
1: Europe or the other side of the world, and the cost to the planet. If there's a finite amount of carbon or damage environmental damage that we can Mm. do in terms of carbon then that can be divided up so that each person has their quota as it were and then you could potentially trade that quota so that that would allow people who have very little use particularly lower income people who have Mm. very little use for their carbon quota to to pass it on to the bill gates's who would have more use for it we have
0: this carbon budget of how much in total we have left to pump into the atmosphere before we get beyond that tipping point that says 1.5 degrees, no chance we're now up to two or three. And it's X trillion tons. And that's why, where the five years comes from, from the IPCC saying, you know, we've got five years to sort ourselves out because we have to get below this carbon budget. And you then say, what is my carbon footprint? What is my carbon budget? The carbon trading thing, I mean, I can see the point. The problem is that it has so much potential for creative accounting. If you take, for example, the move to biofuels, in some cases, if those biofuels have come from um, waste food and waste vegetables and all Mm. the rest of it, then... In terms of looking at that, when you go to the petrol station and you fill up with that biofuel, it should be that its carbon footprint is much, much lower. If, however, as in the EU schemes, some of those biofuels have been produced by cutting down existing forests, then... On the label, it will be saying potentially, I'm terribly Mm. sorry, you thought you were doing good, but actually you're doing bad because mature forests are massive carbon sinks. The other thing that I wanted to get in is that, okay, this labeling, well, isn't it all terribly complicated? Well, go and have a look at a medicine if you've got one Mm. to hand. I happen to be taking an antibiotic at present. And look at the leaflet and what does Mm. it say? What these tablets are and what are they used for? What you need to know before you take these tablets? Warning and precautions before taking this medicine, a whole
1: series of things. Mm. This does also require people to read this stuff, even though I find the tobacco labeling, you know, with sort of pictures of cancerous limbs and so on, it does make the point extremely unambiguous well yeah and and maybe maybe we should have similar
0: pictures on the side of
1: iphone
0: (laughs) i mean i take your point because this isn't long leaflet but it allows you to engage in an adult discussion so Mm -hmm. i'm taking these tablets possible side effects rare you know seizures muscle weakness uh, unusual feelings of pain it's just whole thing so it lays out the information for me look at you know this is mm. what might happen to you on the other hand you know that these are really important for getting you better now what do you want to do Ed? you know mm. make up your mind and it's it's exactly the same with labeling i think throughout every single product yeah. here's the information yeah, yeah. here's its impact Now, you know, do you want to do it? Do you don't want to do it? But at least you know in the round what you're doing, that there are ways of simplifying labelling. And as you say, you know, the the very blunt one on the side of tobacco is that. But I mean, you go to the schemes about energy efficiency. Well,
1: yes, the 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 EPCs and all that. Yeah, yeah, the
0: kitchen appliances where there's an A, B, C, and so on and so forth. And those things uh, have had impact. So Mm. gradually manufacturers have improved the energy efficiency of the average washing machine and so on and so forth yeah. and, and that grouping that gives you a very simple reading you know it's proportionate to what you're consuming very high mm. high medium low
1: zero even pollution and there is a sort of a culture of if not lying at least sort of massaging how the yeah. information is presented exactly. i mean it's obvious it's business people want to sell stuff yeah. But at the same time, you were saying there's potential for the separation of powers to have a role here in terms of holding companies to account. You need some kind of feedback to verify as to yeah. whether these things are, you know, coming from where they say they're coming from, and yeah. are the people, for example, being treated well? Is the biosphere being treated well?
0: Absolutely. And the fourth separation of powers: independent, comprehensive feedback we've characterized this principle as producer straight speak Mm. and that straight speak obligation on politicians and the media for example comes within that separation of powers and that needs to be in the system otherwise we'll just get gaming of the system and gaming of the information and
1: all the rest of it and
0: all of the creative
1: accounts. I mean, I accounts. do find myself wondering, is it ever possible to fully escape gaming? You know, within a market economy, gaming is a part of how prices are arrived at. Well,
0: yeah, and we saw that with the whole diesel pollution, didn't mm-hmm. we, with the German car makers where they were uh, fixing the software so that when the tests came on, then the software made it appear that actually there wasn't a lot of pollution. But in the sense that that was caught, In this case, I think by civil society, possibly by the media, we're, if you like, moving the boundary from where it's more or less universal that, A, there's the minimum amount of information and preferably none at all, and if we need to, we'll spin it, Mm. through to, in the majority of cases, there is straight speak and yes there will always be stuff at the margins well actually which what will become criminal behavior yeah so so a lot of what we see today in terms of the way in which company managements behave and make their decisions well in relation to the biosphere we know that hasn't got a
1: future i see a parallel here with the the use of courts in civil society and the use of church courts with regards to abuses uh in, in well particularly the catholic church mm. um and i suppose we've, you've also had abuses within i mean jimmy savile and the bbc and, and yeah. that kind of thing yeah um so there's obviously a level at which big companies will want to employ their own discipline which governments in dealing with a BP or whoever it is, yeah. will have to brace themselves to, to really take them on.
0: And again, don't forget the other 25 principles, mm. um, and, and, and which will also be having a big impact on the way governments work, the way people in those governments behave, and, and of course, the people that actually get in to do the governing and their values and ethos are moving. Well, it's funny you
1: mention that, Ed, because it brings us very nicely to our next principle, number 25, which in terms of whether this principle represents a constraint or a guilt trip, Hmm. I think your idea, which is a good idea, is that the liberalizing of governance on a local level will allow for people to see straight, and tools and techniques of systems thinking will be more effectively employees
0: yes Yes. um just before we come on to that principle i don't know why i'm screwing this up Philip. could i just add one point to this week's one yes
1: yeah yeah um,
0: one of the points i wanted to make to finish on is that reducing choice through being aware of the consequences of a product may well feel to some like another restriction on personal freedom Mm. you know in an age when we have lost a lot through the impositions of governments and companies. In a way, the freedom to pollute is one of the few left, which often motivates some Mm. people to sort of stay in the past, if you like, with things like, oh, yes, uh, filament uh, light bulbs rather Mm. than moving on to LEDs. The crucial point is the system of governing we're proposing across the board would restore much of the freedom lost in the last 40 years by reallocating power between people and governments and companies. So if you take the package as a whole, then people would feel liberated and thus willing to cede the freedom to pollute in return for far greater and ethical and aesthetic freedoms.
1: And again, that does absolutely lead us into the core of where systems thinking, you know, which has been our abiding theme throughout these series, meets Governance, not as something that's imposed on us, but something that we uh, participate in very directly. Yeah. You know, yeah. starting with with ourselves. So, would you like to read out, check twenty five?
0: Systemic inquiry shall accompany investment commitments in the technosphere. Thereafter, end to end producer responsibility applies.